Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Texas. Excited, excited about this morning. As Pastor Joel said, there's, there's, there is a part two to the story he just mentioned. Uh, he did challenge me and encourage me that I was more than a drummer and that in my life journey, I would discover that there was multiple gifts God gave me more than what I immediately saw. And he actually, uh, during an, another part, I think it was around my ninth grade year, Pastor Joel had this segment of our youth services called the Two Minute Challenge. And kids could get on stage and share whatever God had showed them in front of their peers. It was a great opportunity for us to get to practice speaking, to practice hearing God and then sharing. And one day after worship, he told me, hey, man, in a few weeks, I want you to do the two-minute challenge. I thought, okay, this is exciting. I got to work. I studied. I prepared. I practiced. I thought I perfected this great, amazing two-minute message. And then the day came. After I got done playing worship on the drums, I got off stage. He did an introduction, much like today. And then uh, I delivered my two-minute two challenge. And I felt great. I walked afterwards. I walked off stage and was I was in the clouds. I was excited. I was over the moon. And I sat down on the front row next to my buddy Colin. And he said, "Dude, I, I want you to know you crushed it. It was so good." I said, "Thanks, man. I appreciate it." And then he said, "But your fly was down the entire time." And in that moment, all the excitement I had just evaporated. And I thought, man, that means no one heard what I was saying. They were just noticing. So today, thank God for grace and mirrors. And I'm going to pray and try to transition into the word. Uh, God, thank you for Oaks Church being a place where we're given opportunities to grow. Where it's not just about those who might be uh, under a leadership title. It's about empowering others. It's about growing great lives, growing great people. And for that, we do relationship. We give opportunities. We invest in others. So we thank you, Father, for this great opportunity as we have gone through our core values. We ask you that you speak today that even though I've written down some words, that whatever you want to say will be said and that everyone will hear what they need to hear from your mouth to their heart, Father. Thank you for speaking today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, a few years ago when, uh, well, let me preface by saying I spent about 10 years as a band director in the education field, and I loved it. I enjoyed the whole process of teaching kids about music and developing systems that would work from 6th grade to 12th grade. It was a huge joy and passion of mine. And then an opportunity came for me to transition out of that field and enter into full-time ministry. It wasn't a real shock about the opportunity, as Pastor Joel said. I, I definitely tried my hardest to run away from that throughout college, and those will be probably stories for another time. But I, I was excited about this opportunity. And when it started, I quickly realized some of the weaknesses I had as a leader, some of the areas that I didn't quite measure up, and in fact, it kind of concerned me. And I contacted Pastor Larry, and I said, hey, man, can we go to breakfast? He said, sure. So we went to Chick-fil-A, had some coffee. And I started sharing with him some of the struggles I was facing, some of the difficulties I was trying to overcome, some of the real feelings of not knowing if I truly measured up for what these expectations might be in the position I was in. And as I was sharing with him some of my, my concerns, he took a sip of his coffee, sort of sat back and smiled at me. And he said, Stephen, I'm 70 years old. 
and I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better in my marriage, at ministry, at hearing God, at applying what he's telling me to do. And when he told me that, I didn't feel comforted. I thought, okay, so this journey of growing never ends. Like, you're telling me that some of these struggles I might have now, will I always have to deal with them? Will there always be this, this reality of where I don't quite measure up? And though he, he, we talked about it and he encouraged me and it helped me gain a, a correct perspective of the season I was in, as I thought back on the conversation, it actually concerned me because I realized something that I was struggling with underneath the questions I was asking. But as I was talking to him about my concerns, what really was going on within me was that I recognized some of the things I was called to grow in, but I was really too scared to make the necessary changes to become who God called me to be. I recognized the sacrifices that would be involved for me to become who God had called me to be. But with that story in mind, I want to focus today on, on Joshua. The story of Joshua is an amazing, incredible story, and especially with Moses. There's so many lessons we can learn. In fact, as I was studying about him and, and Moses, there were so many nuggets that I, I took from it that I wrote down that I hope to study more. But I, I want to share with you a verse. And in this verse, Joshua is at the end of his, his leadership journey, or, or so he thinks. At this point in his life, he's around 80 years old, 85 possibly, and he's standing on the cusp of the Israelites coming through the wilderness, and God is telling him about what's to come, the season he's about to enter to. So let me quickly read you this verse, and I'll sort of uh, set the foundation for this morning. In Joshua chapter 1, this is verse 2. This is God speaking to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I had promised to Moses. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. The interesting thing about this moment in Joshua's life, he spent 40 years as a slave in Egypt, learning certain lessons. And then he spent 40 years in the wilderness, studying under Moses, learning some lessons. And now he's entering a completely new season, a new job description, a whole new journey. And God is saying, I am giving you the grace in order to accomplish what I've set before you. In fact, I'm giving you this promise. It's already done. Move forward. Be brave and courageous. And I read this verse and thought, well, what, kind of thinking about what might have been going through Joshua's mind. Here he is in his mid-80s, and God is calling him to something new, something different than what he's been used to already. I heard something the other day at a conference I was with with some staff members that really challenged me. And I'll present it to you in a question. Would you rather be an amateur in what God is doing today and what is new or an expert in what he did yesterday? That, that kind of hurt me when I heard it, as much as possibly it, it poked some of you guys too. I'm sure Joshua looked at the Jordan and thought about some of the lessons and remembered how God did some things in the past. But God was inviting him into a new adventure. Watch me do some things in a new way. Are you willing to be an amateur in something you've never experienced because I'm calling you to it? Do you have a growth 
mindset. Today we're talking about grow, and that's the question of today. Do you have a growth mindset? I'm going to look at three different stories of that Joshua and three lessons I believe he learned that helped him grow and prepared him for walking into the promised land. But he nonetheless had to accomplish and, and overcome some difficult situations. The first time we hear about Joshua is in Exodus 17. In Exodus 17, we see the story of the Israelites fresh out of Egypt, uh, recently on their journey, and they are confronted from this army, with this army, the Amalekites, these sort of wandering guys who would like to take over whales and just uh, decimate people. And for whatever reason, they probably assumed these are fresh people out of slavery. They haven't been trained in war. We can easily overtake them and all of the riches that they brought out of Egypt. Well, Moses looks to Joshua, and at the time his name was Hosea, and he says, Joshua, get some men, go to war, defeat the Amalekites. So Joshua grabs some men. We're not sure what qualified him to be a warrior. He spent 40 years as a slave. All of a sudden, he's leading people into battle. Nonetheless, he was given the call, the command, and so he did it. And while Joshua is out there fighting the Amalekites, Moses ascends on this mountainside, takes the, the rod, the staff of God that was given to him, and raises his hands in the air over the army. And if you read the story, you know that as long as his hands were in the air, the Israelites and Joshua were winning. But as they dropped down, they started to lose the battle. Now, as I read the story, I couldn't help but think, for whatever reason, Moses thought in his mid-80s, if I can hold my hands up long enough, we'll win the battle. Like I go to the gym sometimes and after a few reps, I get super tired. And, but I couldn't imagine that the confidence he had that even though I might be old in age, there's still enough strength within me that if I can just hold this up, we can win the battle. Or even from Joshua's perspective, he's out there fighting. He's in his mid-40s and he's looking up at Moses like, please keep your hands up, dude. Please keep your hands up. I, I can't see possibly the, the desperation maybe out of both of them. And the great thing as I read this story, is this realization that the victory of the battle, the success of the battle was not solely dependent on Joshua's skill set as a warrior. We don't even know if he had any. Joshua was fighting a battle while also having to depend on Moses to keep his hands up, who also had to depend on Aaron and her to keep his hands up. There was this relationship between four people that helped the Israelites overcome the Amalekites. And as I thought about that, it's much like the message from last week with Pastor Joel about alignment, knowing who you are called to be horizontally aligned with and vertically aligned with. Joshua's success in that battle depended on him, depending on other people. And often at times, how, do we, how often do we approach a battle, approach a problem, and think we have to handle it by ourselves? There's this trap of loneliness in our life, this trap to think no one will understand. How, I don't want to invite someone into this mess. I have to fight this battle by myself. And in this example, I believe Joshua learned a great lesson. And if you're taking notes, this would be number one, to partner with God and people. Partner with God and people. As you look around the room and as you look at your workplace and you look in your family, who are you called to grow with? Who is God calling you to partner with to face the battles you're facing? In fact, what if you're trying to fight a battle right now that is really dependent on you partnering with the right people? I, I found myself on the opposite end of the spectrum when I first became a newlywed. And I was fighting the battle of being a newlywed. And I realized the people I was partnered with was a bunch of single guys. 
And as you can imagine, there was a lot of things I was struggling with because I was uh, conversing and talking with these guys who had a single mindset. Uh, uh, Taylor had a lot of patience. She had a lot of love. God told her she had to stay married to me because uh, I, I tested that theory. And, and I was realized I was partnered with the wrong people. And then as I switched my partnerships, my horizontal alignment, then I was partnered and surrounded by guys who were married in the same direction I was going, and we were able to help each other fight the battles that we were facing. A few years ago, I read this book, a leadership book uh, by John Maxwell. It was called The Invaluable Laws of Growth. And he said this about uh, the way that we partner with people. Hopefully one of these appeals to you. He said, one, if you think that no one can teach you anything, you probably have an arrogant attitude. If you think that someone can teach you everything, you have a naive attitude. But if you think that everyone can teach you something, then you have a teachable attitude. What if we approach the relationships in our workplace within this church and small groups in the area you served and you're asking, you're partnering with God vertically, who are you calling me to partner with? Who are you calling me to grow with? And horizontally, you looked at also realizing you could learn from anyone around you. What will help us in this perspective or in this category? I don't think we'll miss the, the godly partnerships God is calling us to if we have a godly perspective on the season we're in and the people around us. This, I think, was the second lesson Joshua learned. Many of you know the story of Numbers 13. In Numbers 13, they are looking at the promised land, and Moses sends in groups of spies, and he says, go survey the land and let me know what you find. Joshua, who had partnered with God and had a horizontal partnership with not only Moses, but with Caleb, they go and enter the land. And as all the spies entered the land, they saw it was fruitful, it was amazing, it was beautiful, but there was some challenges there. And as they came back to report to Moses and Aaron and the people, many of the spies said, this land is as we thought. Excuse me, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful, it's amazing, but there are giants there. And I think that's too much of a problem for us. Maybe God had this wrong. This is not the promised land. And Moses, or Joseph, or sorry, uh, Joshua and Caleb, for some reason, thought, yes, the land is fruitful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And yes, there are giants, but we can overtake them. We can do this. Don't let, a challenge I want to issue to you guys today is to not let your perspective on God's promises shift when you see the work attached to it. God gave them a promise. In fact, he told them, I will prepare a way for you. This land is yours. It is the promised land. There was also some battles attached to it. There were some things they had to do to overtake what was already theirs. Don't let your perspective shift when you see the work attached to it. In fact, the spies revealed another lesson, that what you say about what you see reveals whose perspective you're leaning on, yours or God's. The spies entered the promised land, and they saw a beautiful land, fruitful, and they saw giants. They saw the giants, and so they said, the giants are too big. We can't overcome this. This is not a battle we can win. They leaned on what they saw. Joshua and Caleb saw the same thing, yet spoke from God's perspective, spoke from his promise, and said, if he said we can do it, then we could do it. Let's go do it. 
What you say about what you see reveals whose perspective you're leaning on, God's or yours. This is something I think we can learn in our marriages as a parent, as a boss, as an employee. We, we enter difficult seasons with our children, difficult seasons with our spouse. And are you going to say what you're just seeing? Focus on what physically is in front of you. The difficult season where you're trying to work with your child and they just don't seem to understand what you're communicating. Or your spouse, you guys are not aligned. There's some frustration there. Or will you choose to partner with God and ask him, what do you say about what I see? Because that is what I will choose to declare. Sometimes we, we think that present problems are more powerful than God's promises. Sometimes we think that present problems are more powerful than God's promises. Graham Cook, a beautiful speaker, once said this, what if we developed a divine curiosity about the problems we faced and instead just ask, God, what are you teaching me in this moment? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? Help me elevate my perspective to see this as you do. I can be honest and say this is a lesson I'm learning right now in this season. Last year, God took my wife and I on this crazy journey. And about November, he told us to call this person that we had never met. We, we, we had a conversation with her, but we didn't really know anything about her. And so we just called her up and started talking and said, hey, who are you? What do you like to do? That's awesome. Okay, what are you passionate about? And we're just trying to get a filler. We have no idea why we called this person. And as she's talking, she says, well, uh, I like to go back to my homeland. I'm from Kenya, and I have all these missions that I love to do, and uh, these orphanages I visit. And at that moment, we started to have something shift. My, my wife, the, this dream she had since she was a child began to be awakened, and she said, well, that would be awesome. Can we go with you? She goes, sure, that would be awesome. I would love for you guys to come with, with me to Kenya. We said, well, great, when are you going? She says, I'm leaving in a few weeks. I was like, Okay. Well, let us pray about that. That's right around the corner. So we went and we prayed, and God told us to go. With this person we spent about 10 minutes on the phone with, God told us to go with them to Kenya. But then we said, okay, God, you told us to go. All right. Uh, it's, not, it's not cheap to, to fly there. And uh, we, we have a budget, and we didn't save for this. This was not in the plan as we planned out 20, 2018. And he, he told us to do something that this is not, I'm not promoting this method. I'm not saying this is what you should do in your life. But what he told us to do scared us a little bit, especially with the mindset that we usually have. He said, I want you to just put it on your credit card. Put the plane tickets, everything you have to do, put it on the credit card. And we thought, oh, okay. We talked about it, but then we went back to God. Is this like, we took the Ramsey financial class. We, we, we love being debt-free. God, you know who Dave Ramsey is, right? Like, you created him. Uh, so we did. We went to Kenya. And it was an amazing adventure. One, we, we, once we got there, we never had to pay for one lodging expense. Every place we stayed, something was taken care of. Uh, we even got to somehow meet the vice president's wife of Kenya and spend some time with her and her chief of staff invited us to spend the night with them. And so we got to sit with them and talk about Kenyan politics and the nature of the culture around them. And we, they took us to all these different orphanages and we got to worship with these kids and see kids lay hands on their friends and see legs healed. 
it was this amazing adventure, beautiful adventure. God stretched our faith during that adventure. And then when we got back home, excited, and as you can imagine, elevated heads in the clouds, and then we realized back to uh, the challenge we had before we left. Okay, God, we put it all on our credit card. So uh, those statements and, you know, interest, that stuff can pick up pretty fast. And within a few days, from unexpected, unexpected sources, things we didn't even plan for or forgot about, every cent of everything we spent was paid off in a few days. Now, yes, you can praise God for that. And as I said, that's not the method I would recommend people. If God said do it, just start charging it to Visa. That's not what I'm saying. But now we're in the middle of a house journey. We're in the middle of, of purchasing our first home. It's exciting. It's stressful. There's all these decisions to be made. We want to make the wise one. We're weighing the pros and cons. We're trying to figure out, okay, what type of loan, how much down payment, all of these elements. And there were conversations we had where it was pretty, it was pretty tough. Is this where God wants us to be? I'm not sure. And even as we're discussing it, we're seeing our friends around us. They're, they're, moving, in, they're, they're uh, moving up in their home or they sold their home. They're getting a new one. And God has given us these examples of people around us who, who have put their faith in him. And, and he's blessing them in different ways. And we're looking around, is this going to happen for us? But we also knew God gave us a promise a year and a half ago when we should start looking for a home. And as we were talking about it, and I think back to the Kenya trip, I can't help but to forget that I can't look at present problems and forget past victories. And that's what the spies did. They entered the land of God's promise, and they forgot that he brought them out of Egypt, that he brought victory over the Amalekites, that he provided manna in the desert. They were looking at their present problems and forgot the past victories God had already given to them. My question for you is, what have you mistaken as obstacles instead of an invitation from God as a growth opportunity? What obstacles are facing you where God is inviting you in to say, watch what I can do through this? The promise I gave you is still very much alive. I will always see what I say through to completion. And in fact, with this story, the perspective test was a huge one for the Israelites. Joshua and Caleb passed the perspective test. The other spies didn't. And if you read the story, you see Joshua and Caleb were the only ones allowed to enter the promised land. A whole group of spies were killed. A whole generation were killed off. But because Joshua and Caleb had the right perspective about God's promises, they were allowed to experience and live in God's promise. Number one, partner with God and people. Number two, pursue God's perspective. Pursue God's perspective. Here's the last one. Pastor Joel mentioned this in week one of Encounter. A beautiful one-verse sentence, but I believe it tells you so much about who Joshua was as a person. We read the story in Exodus 33. Moses walking through the camp. He's going outside of the camp to the tent of meeting. The God descends, a cloud descends, and he gets to commune and converse with God. He gets to have these conversations, as it says, friend to friend, face to face with God. And then he would leave and tell the people what God said. And then you read around verse 11 that as Moses left the tent of meeting, Joshua stayed behind. 
Joshua lingered longer. I think that if you want to grow into who God has created you to be, you have to prioritize his presence. Joshua understood something. For some reason, when the rest of the Israelites would get scared when Moses came down and his countenance changed, when Moses came down and would share what God had said, many would fear and get trembled and be cautious about approaching God. For some reason, Joshua grew curious. He wanted to to know a little bit more. He wanted to experience a little bit more. Where many people would stay at their tent outside and just observe from afar God's presence and Moses interacting, Joshua said, no, I want to be as close as I can to this. Prioritizing God's presence. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that I have been able to live life with many people who, like Joshua, you could say were tent dwellers. They, they spent just more time in God's presence. My mom was one who normally would spend on weekends and even during the week locked in her room no music going or just lights off and just praying, just pleading before God and praying and going through her address book and praying over different people. She knew that she could not be who she was called to be as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as a pastor, if she did not prioritize God's presence. And there were times we would wake up on Saturday morning and we're hungry. You know, there's four of us under the age of 12. We're like, Mom, where are you? We need some cereal. Fix the pancakes. But we knew she was, she was in her room prioritizing God's presence. And we learned how to cook for ourselves. Like there was a win-win. But we observed her prioritizing God's presence, even with my dad, who is a student of the word, who loves studying, loves studying different languages. He would study things and learn things, but then prioritize God's presence to ask God, what are you telling me in this? What am I not seeing that you want me to see? I see it with my wife, who so regularly will say no to something so that she can say yes to God's presence. I watch people in my life who have this understanding that they have to prioritize God's presence. See, every choice we make is a yes and no choice. It's a yes and no decision. Uh, oh, recently, I got to, to go to one of my favorite restaurants in McKinney. They have some of the best burgers around. And as I was looking at the menu, I I was just salivating in my head about a lamb burger. I knew that that is what my heart was crying for, was this delicious lamb burger with feta cheese. Pastor Joe knows what I'm talking about, delicious. And as I'm looking at it and thinking about it and pretty much deciding what I'm going to get, I have that split-second thought. Hey, man, you know you're trying to lose some weight, right? Maybe you should get a salad. That would be a good decision. But then immediately, but a lamb burger. That sounds delicious. And in my choice of saying yes to a lamb burger, I am saying no to a salad or vice versa. Most of our choices, all of our choices are this yes and no choice. And while with this point, prioritizing God's presence, it is a a pretty alliteration. All the points have all these P's in them. And I, I like that. I like to try to make it all rhyme and sound pretty and stuff. But but it, it, it requires sacrifice and requires intentionality. And we must come to terms that there are many things we'll have to say no to if we want to say yes to spending time in God's presence. It's something that I grew up seeing with Pastor Joel when I was in the youth ministry. Regularly, when he could move on in service, 
instead of sticking to a schedule, he would instead say, well, let's, let's teach these kids how to hear God's voice, how to prophesy over each other. Even in our staff meetings now, I get to watch people choose to say yes to God, which requires them to say no to something else. But they realize that it's not even a competition. They know that saying yes to God is better. And in this journey of pursuing God's promises, we have to remember to pursue the one who created the promise. And that's where I think a trap can lie. You know who gave you the promise, who declared to you, you're going to, we're going to start a church, or you're going to get this new job, or you're going to have these kids, or whatever the promise or the experience you're having. And we pursue these goals and not pursue the one who gave them to us, and not pursue the one who created them. My wife said it this way in our staff meeting this week, don't focus on the goal, focus on the soul. Because you can run after the goal and lose your soul in the process. You can run after God's promises and forget his presence in the process. The question for you, as I slowly bring this into a close, is do I rely on God's voice over others? Do I rely on God's voice over others? It's something Joshua did in his life. And as you read the rest of his story, it became obvious. He learned some lessons from Moses that he utterly depended on God's presence, on God's voice to guide him in every step of the process. God's voice will show you the right partnerships. God's voice will give you the right perspective. God's voice must be a priority in our life. But I, I could have started all of this, this journey off by saying, why does God want us to grow? I probably could have set that at the beginning and start, why, why do we need to grow? Why does God want us to grow? Well, the challenge to grow is an invitation to pursue God to become more like him so that we can engage in relationships where God's glory is manifested. Or you could say it this way. I'll say it two different ways. One, um, there was someone in our, in our church, Miss Pat, who writes a blog, and I saw her write something a few weeks ago that really, really challenged me and, and blessed me this perspective. She said, the world alters the dress to fix the bride, but God alters the bride to fix the dress. We, we so wish, like, well, God, I, I understand what you're calling me to, but here's where I am now. Can you just change the promise, the plan to fit with me now? Or, and, and God's, I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to higher. I'm calling you to better things. And here's why. Here's the point of growth set this way. Growth is not about our gain. Growth is about God's glory. Growth is about God's glory being manifested in you, through you, around you. See, God helped Joshua with this. I mentioned at the beginning, his name was Hosea. Hosea meant salvation. He is a savior. And somewhere along his journey, possibly after the battle of the Amalekites, his name was changed to Joshua, which meant God is salvation. God is a savior. I believe Moses and God knew that there would come a time in Joshua's journey when they would do all of these victories and have all of these great experiences in God's promised land. And the people would chant, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. He's a great leader. And as they chanted, they would remember his name was Hosea. A man saves, but his name is now Joshua. God saves. God is the one who brought us out of Egypt, through the desert, into the promised land. Even for Joshua to stand there and hear people chant his name, Joshua, Joshua, that as he heard it, he would remember God used him. God was the Savior. God used him to bring about his glory, his presence, his promise in the world around him.
Growth is about God's glory, not your gain. And yes, we gain things in the process. Yes, we grow closer to people. Yes, our influence might increase. Yes, we might experience growth in multiple areas of our life, but that's not the point. That shouldn't be the end game. And in fact, if we want to be a church who grows great lives, if we want to be a church who grows big people, we have to choose to grow the right way, which is the three things I mentioned. Partner with God and people. Pursue God's perspective and prioritize God's presence. And I think the beautiful thing about the last one is in the middle of us thinking we're prioritizing God's presence or pursuing his presence, feeling like we're chasing after him, we realize in the process that he's been there all along, been pursuing us, chasing after us. And I would like to to close today just by praying for you guys. I'm not sure where you are in your journey, not sure what obstacles or problems you may be facing. I'm not sure what promises you've written down in your journal that God told you as a kid or in the last decade that you have forgotten or through, through life circumstances you've thought this problem, is it can, it can no longer, it's preventing me from God's promise. I'm not sure what you might be facing, but I, I'd like to encourage you today. I'd like to, to pray for you guys as we close. Father, we're gathered this morning with your people, learning about grow, knowing that there is a destiny within all of us, something you've created, you perfected before we were even born. You spoke it into motion before we took a step. God, remind us now of the promises you've given us. Remind us now of the gifts we've neglected. Remind us now of how you've been faithful in the past, the victories you've already brought us to and through. As we face the obstacles of today, as we face the problems of tomorrow, may we never forget your faithfulness. May we never forget that you desire to partner with us to see your glory manifested around us in our marriages, in our family, in our workplace, with those we do small groups with. Father, today we just receive and recognize your presence and receive your anointing to do everything you've called us to do. We thank you, Father, that we will grow great lives. We will build big people because we desire to see your presence everywhere we go. We desire to see your glory manifested everywhere we go. Continue to raise our perspective. Continue to raise our glance. Continue to to allow us to see what heaven is doing in a moment, not just what we see and what we face. Thank you, Father, that you've given us your eyes, your thoughts, your words. In Jesus' name. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.